this week on Missions Today. At that point in time, the one-child policy was really prevalent. You know, the government has since changed the policy. The students I was teaching had been young adults before that was a policy. So many of them had siblings. Also, many of them, because they'd come from very, very poor areas, had been products of famines, literal famines. The family had to make horrible choices. Which child do we feed? And they were alive because siblings had starved to death. Ministry abroad often brings people into cultures that are hard to understand, engaging them with people with very different backgrounds and circumstances. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. Amy Young is the founder of Global Trellis. She was born and raised in the church with a heart to serve the Lord full time. While attending a missions conference as a young person, God clearly communicated that she was to go to China. Today, we're going to hear how long she was there, what doors the Lord opened for her while she was there, experiences with the Chinese government, and how, when she returned home, she felt the call to build resources for those serving the Lord in the field. It's another powerful story of how God will use those ready to say yes. Growth and development for those living in the field. That's the topic this week on Missions Today. Hey, Amy, thanks so much for being with us today. Why don't you give us kind of a high-level view of Global Trellis? High-level, Global Trellis is like a trellis in a garden. We exist to support people wherever it is God has called them and planted them so that they can grow up. Uh, Let's talk a bit about your life because you've had quite the experience, but I want to go back before you actually went to the mission field. Tell us a little bit about your growing up life and about your journey of faith. Sure, I'm happy to. I grew up in a suburb of Denver, Lakewood, Colorado. Child of the 70s, a Denver Bronco fan, went off to Kansas, the University of Kansas, to college. And it was there at the University of Kansas that God called me to the mission field, which was kind of a big fat shocker to me because... I, at that point, would have defined myself as like a very picky eater. And so my definition of a missionary was someone who is, you know, very willing to eat anything. And I was like, <laughs> huh, I'm afraid, Lord, I will starve if I go to the mission. Like, I love you, but I also love food. So <laughs> I've had those thoughts before. Yes. Uh, yes. So did you have a church background? Were you already seeking the Lord at that time in college? And what culminated in that calling? I did. I grew up in a Christian family. Um, so I was familiar with missions, but again, This was back in the day when missionaries would come and visit your church. And so they always seemed exotic as opposed to today with social media, where we just, we can kind of see into the lives of people and go, oh, they're just regular people. You know, people are just people, but didn't know that then. So I was a strong Christian, uh, came from a family of faith, and it was actually in a college university cafeteria, if you can believe it, that God called me. I was working with international students. I was an RA, a resident assistant in a dormitory. And so a lot of my students were from all over the world. And they mentioned like they were studying ESL, which in today's world, everyone knows ESL. But at that time, I was like, what is ESL? And they said, well, I'm a whatever. I'm an engineering major, but my English wasn't quite high enough. So I'm doing English as a second language. And literally right then, Colin, like the Lord just zapped me on my head and was like, that's what you're going to do. How, how did you prepare for that? And how did you determine where you were going to go? What what did that process look like? Oh, 
That's a fun question because I didn't know. Really, at that time, I only knew of the organization Wycliffe, and I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be a Bible translator because languages are not like my strong suit. So I went to a large mission conference called Urbana. And going into Urbana, I just prayed, all right, God, you know me and you know all the countries. Just pick one and let me know. Like, just let it be clear. So going into that conference, going into Urbana, that was just my prayer. And coming out of that, I just sensed China. So I was so grateful that the Lord just said China. And he said, you need to make a two-year commitment and you need to get a master's in ESL. So I was like, okay, that's enough of a marching order. And at that conference, there's a lot of organizations. So I just went around and made connections and kind of came out with the name of two different organizations in conversation with them and did a little bit of research and picked one. And as they say, the rest is history. Actually, I did do two summer programs with them. Just to see, like, Lord, did I hear you right? Not that I'm doubting you, but just if it wasn't China, like, just correct it. And it was just confirmed it was China. Because of the work you do now, let's talk a little bit about your preparation for going, because it's a little bit different than what people have today. The preparation, you called it all front-end loaded. You you get loaded with everything right up front, and it's like drinking out of a water uh, fire hose, you know, and, and you just got to go out there and do your thing. Now there's so many resources compared to uh, earlier in mission life. Talk a bit about that ramping up to get prepared to go. So at that time, the organization I was with, which is a wonderful organization, had us come in for a month long of pre-field training. You're already in so much transition. Everyone in my life is new. You know, I have, I met these people at the airport. I'm in transition. They're in transition. We're all just trying to follow the Lord and then learning how to work on a team about how to share your faith in this cultural context, learning about the cultural context. So it was just, it was all good stuff. But you know, we all know, everyone listening to this, where you just have reached your saturation point. And no matter how wonderful the information is, I can't absorb anymore. I, I want to, but I literally cannot absorb anymore. But with technology now and with understanding adult learning even better, I don't think we need to continue with that model today. Your plan was to go for two years. Tell us how that worked out. In the second year, I nearly died of bacterial meningitis. It was horribly painful. And if God has said, like, are you willing to be literally almost die? I would have been like, well, in my heart, I want to say yes. And honestly, like if it's just you're killed quickly, it, but a slow, painful death, I was not really a fan of that. However, it was literally before I got meningitis that the Lord was like, all right, you need to sign up for another year. You need to extend your commitment. So I extended my commitment and went into a coma and was hospitalized. So then just year, 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 year. And all of a sudden, like many of our listeners of a certain age, like in your 20s, you can't believe all of a sudden, oh, it's been nine years. I think this is a career now. <laughs> or I think this is more of a call than just two years. And then the years go by and your understanding of the culture and your understanding of just so many things grows and expands because we grow and expand as we age and live life. And then you can't imagine yourself doing anything else. And then the Lord rearranges the deck chairs again. And you're like, okay, we're still in this ride with the Lord. Like the Lord is still leading. And I found myself back in the United States starting an organization with two friends called Velvet Ashes. So it's an online community for cross-cultural women. It worked out really well. And then also it worked out very surprisingly. So tell us how many years you ended up staying in China. I'd planned to go for two. 
And then halfway through, I plan to stay until I retired. So it, it, life is funny how it works out that way. It is. That, you know, it's a, it's a common theme here on Missions Today. I hear from so many people about their plans and then God's plans. And very often, most often, they're, they're different. Uh, before we move on to Velvet Ashes and Global Trellis, uh, talk for a moment about your experience in China. Yep. Could we first start yep. with just the beginning, the yep. entree there? Yep. What was that like moving into a totally different culture? You mentioned food earlier. How how did that go getting used to that? And then we'll talk maybe about a few stories from your time there. Love to. I started off as a what was called a full-time teacher. So I went with an organization that placed teachers at universities and colleges all around China. So my students were adult English teachers from out in, I lived in Sichuan province. So they were adult English teachers all over the province teaching junior high and senior high students English. And so they came into the capital city for a two year kind of intensive English program. And honestly, like it was just such a sweet experience of working with these young adults, probably mid twenties to mid thirties, many, didn't exactly want to be English teachers. So it was also just interesting how like the Lord, I think coming from a country where there, I I had more autonomy. I had more say in what my job was going to be and what my future was going to be. Just my heart broke for so many people who don't have a lot of say in their lives and their lives look so different. And I'm not trying to elevate one culture over another, but just to say, I hadn't realized what a wide range there was in the world until you go live in a different part of the world and you experience something so, so different. At that point in time, the one child policy was really prevalent. You know, the government has since changed the policy, but I was, the students I was teaching had been young adults before that was a policy. So many of them had siblings. Also many of them, because they'd come from very, very poor areas, had been products of famines, literal famines. The family had to make horrible choices. Which child do we feed? And they were alive because siblings had starved to death. And so even just being exposed to some of that, it was heart-wrenching. It was touching. I mean, I was just moved by how much God loves people and how hard reality is for a lot of people. So few of us have heard stories from behind the curtain, if you will. I mean, it is it is a place that just has so much uh, mystery and uh, probably misunderstanding, but also so many people we've heard about have been missionaries in China, and we've heard about uh, mission efforts in China. Can we talk for a moment about some of what you experienced there? Did you ever feel unsafe? Did you ever feel like you were constantly being watched? Did you experience anything that was uh, interruption in your mission because of why you were there? Overall, no. Overall, I never felt unsafe. We were aware we were being watched. The nice thing is we did come in as English teachers. And so we took our job seriously. And so I partially it was like, okay, we understood the parameters. We tried to stay within them, nearish the borders of the parameters. But honestly, at that time, and even to today, really what's going to get you in a lot more trouble in China is politics. If you're really talking against the government, maybe other people, other personalities who are more like in your face on politics would have found it harder. But 
I never felt overly unsafe. Every now and then there were some political things that would rise up and people would get a little cranky, but I didn't feel unsafe. And the people would say the same. People are people. Our governments are disagreeing, but we like you. And I could say the same. Not always keen on, you know, things that are out of all of our control, but I like you, but I like you. Maybe a story or two from your time there of just opportunities that God gave you uh, in the midst of teaching English. Well, the beautiful thing is God is at work all the time. Amen. 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 And so regardless of what he has called us to do. So for me, it was English teaching for others listening to this. It can be all different areas. He is at work in people's lives and hearts. Um, And so you just sort of pay attention. As an English teacher, I would try to select short stories that might provoke thoughts on meanings of life, on honesty and ethics and other things that could we we'd call them salty conversations that might point to something more meaningful. And I think those exist all around us, whether you're in a country like China or whether you're in a country as I am right now in the United States, looking for opportunities to salt and to just be intentional without being obnoxious. Because I think Jesus was always intentional without being obnoxious. And so just looking at opportunities with culture lectures, with, as I said, with short stories, I did have one student in particular that comes to mind that you could just tell God was stirring in her. God was stirring in her and stirring in her. And so I did get her linked up with a local group of believers that I knew so they could answer her questions a lot better, you know, in in Chinese in the local language. And she went, and this is so beautiful, Colin, she went to a Christmas Eve service and there was music. And I hear that over and over and over. Hearing songs just touched something deep within her, hearing Christian songs and worship music. So she called me Christmas Eve just so moved and so this is called on a telephone a landline and she wanted to know how to become a christian well everything in me kind of froze up for the very reasons that you said of you never quite know who's going to be listening on things and it's the same today as much as we like to think you know our secure our phones are so secure or whatever you the truth is we never quite know who is listening to what and so everything in me is like freezing up but i also know god is sovereign and and she doesn't understand that what she might be doing is not the wisest, safest thing. And so we dove in a little bit, but also I'm like, come visit me tomorrow. So we can we can talk in person about things, about things. And she became a Christian. And it was just so beautiful to this day. I happen, she has moved to the United States. Um, long story short, because this was like more than 25 years ago, and we got to have lunch two years ago. And she is still walking faithfully with the Lord. So that is just an encouragement. That's so exciting. During your time in China, maybe a lesson or two that that God taught you during uh, your extended stay? I think God always was so faithful to show he is for me and for the people around me. That And that he holds that intention. He doesn't, he is not there to just use me up on the throne of like overworking, but nor is he like, oh, honey child, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Like, I'm not bubble wrap. So that tension of that God did see me and love me and care for me, but life is also hard and he loves and sees those around me. And sometimes there's going to be that tension that what's good for them is hard for me. And, and so that was just a great lesson to see God more broadly 
than I could have seen having just stayed in the United States for the majority of my life. Let's talk about your return to the U.S. Uh, I've heard just as many uh, cautionary tales about the move to the mission field as the move back to a place that you don't recognize. It's almost like a generation later you're coming back and it looks very different. What was it like reacclimating to the United States? Oh, as you have just said, it was it was all of the things. In part, it was really nice to be around family again after so many years. That was truly a blessing. But in part, my life wasn't here. Where I felt I fit wasn't here. So in some ways, I felt like or whatever the saying is, a round peg in a square hole or a square peg in a round hole, trying to fit in and also even wondering, do I even want to fit in? Like, this isn't exactly where I want to be. But it was so clear that the Lord had ended my time in China. And it probably took a solid three years until I felt, eh, okay, all right, I can make peace with this place. I'd heard like, oh, after a year. And so there was something in me that knew it was just going to be kind of meh, flubby, flubby for a year or so. So it surprised me when going into year two, oh, it's still flubby and year three. And then, you know, you get enough roots down that you are re rerouted in a place. Tell us about uh, how you got to forming Velvet Ashes and the purpose of that. As I mentioned, two colleagues and I, we just thought, hey, let's use this type of technology and build a community for cross-cultural women serving in the Great Commission. Truly, Colin, it, it, God is so humorous. Again, he didn't give us the whole plan, which was his mercy. We thought we were just starting a blog. Starting a blog is not that scary. So we start a blog. We only knew people in our organization, and we primarily only knew people in Asia, which is so slightly humorous in this very connected era of social media. But back then, it just was different. This was in 2013, which again, isn't that long ago. It was 10 years ago. Part of it was for security within our organization. And, you know, a lot of organizations have security that we didn't know others. And part of it was, it was just a more siloed era. And we started it going, all right, Lord, we know you don't mean this just for our organization or just for Asia, but we literally don't know anybody serving other places other than maybe someone from ascending church knew someone else, you know, wherever in Spain. We weren't quote unquote professional writers for writing a blog. We literally, this is what we would do. We would look around people in our organization and we're like, hey, Ashley's pretty funny. I bet she can write. Does Ashley have a blog? Okay, you got a blog. Yeah. You've only written on it twice. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. And so we would contact Ashley and we contacted, you know, about 10 people and built up a team of writers and just started publishing a blog in November of 2013 and stumbled our way forward into all that Velvet Ashes is today of themes and and then it grew. We grew to have connection groups, which were like small groups, which would go for 10 weeks, 10 weeks in the fall, 10 weeks in the spring. We would do different things like using Skype for a video group. Um, we started something called Facebook Live before Facebook Live was a thing for people that wanted to be interacting at the same time, but their internet was just too slow to be on video, they would all get on Facebook at the same time. That was the live part. I'm putting everyone who can't see me, 
quotation marks. That was the live part. And it, they would chat. They would chat at for one hour together, kind of around whatever was the topic of that week. We had email groups. That is where it just exploded. So we'd started a book group, which again, we thought a book group once a week, no biggie. That kind of exploded. And then connection groups utterly exploded. I was with Velvet Ashes for about five years. And by at the end of five years, I think we had around 40 of these connection groups with around 350 people. Tell me about the transition to Global Trellis and a little more about what you're doing there. Well, I get bored a little easily. And even like even within my time within my organization on the field, within those 18 years, I probably had six different jobs. I have found I'm about like I do something for about five years and then I get a little antsy. And so truthfully, I love Velvet Ashes. I call Velvet Ashes my grown up digital child. We had built Velvet Ashes up. We had the rhythms going. We had systems in place. We had a really healthy team. And it was just time to hand it off to someone else who could come at it with fresh eyes and new enthusiasm and do slightly different things. There weren't really spaces for men and women digitally to interact together. And there weren't spaces for ongoing learning to occur. And that was then where it was like, all right, Velvet Ashes, like I call Velvet Ashes is your friend. It's the friend for women. Global Trellis is your mentor. Here's a series, a four-part series on compassion fatigue in missionaries. So like, let's just think about it a little bit and have a few resources. Wonderful. All right. Here's another, a workshop on whatever. So you're not having to do all the work to go find what's going to continue to help you grow spiritually and skill set wise. Here's like a whole curated place with material for your soul. We have the, we have the language of soul tending and skill building. We want to be people that have tended souls. A lot of places I found are either very member care, soul tending, spiritual formation, or it's like leadership, vision, skill, all of this. And it's like, never shall the twain meet. And we're like, actually, that's not true. We're called to be integrated people. We are called to have tended souls, that we're not merely sharing the gospel. We're experiencing the gospel ourselves. But if you stay on the field long enough, you went for two years, but here it is 18 years later, you probably are in some position leading something in charge of a budget or these things that you didn't go to the field. It wasn't a skill a 24-year-old needed or a 28-year-old, but a 45-year-old needs to know certain, just again, stage of life things. So helping people with whatever stage of life they're at to have attended soul and a building their skill set. Yeah, I love that. Well, uh, just before we wrap up, because we're just about out of time, I know that there's always people listening to a program like this and something that you have said, something about your own experience, prick something, something in their own heart about what the Lord is calling them to right now. It may be actual mission work in the field. It may be mission work in their neighborhood. It may be something specific the Lord has laid on their heart. And I think often we're always at that precipice of of making the decision to put that left foot forward and start the process. 
And sometimes we're just stubborn. We're just waiting for that that moment to cross that line. For someone who has heard that call that you heard, has felt the prick of the spirit that it's it's time to do something, whatever that thing is, maybe just a word of encouragement to them today. I would say do it. Do it. Take the next step, whatever that might be for you. If it is doing a search online for organizations, if it is going to a missions conference, if it is talking to someone you already know on the field, hey, what could next steps be? I would say sometimes we can become so overwhelmed by all the fundraising or all of the having to pack up or all of this. And that's what the enemy of your soul wants you to be, is mired in the details. The lover of your soul wants you to be in step with him. And so just take a step is what I would say. Just take a step. If you haven't heard that message by now listening to this podcast, you may not have been listening. Almost without fail, our guests from all walks of life, backgrounds, and callings say something similar. Give God your yes. Take that first step. Move forward. Do something. Now, if you're already in ministry or on mission, you know this. You know this deep in your heart. But if you still have that nagging feeling that you need to respond to something the Lord is asking you to do, please don't put it off. Take that first step today. My thanks to Amy for joining us today. To learn more about her, Velvet Ashes, or Global Trellis, just check out today's podcast notes. Well, just a moment about this podcast, Missions Today. It was developed and produced by me and my friends at Resource Global to spotlight leaders and trends shaping the global church and global missions today. Resource Global's mission is to teach, mentor, and connect the next generation of global marketplace leaders to impact their cities and workplaces for the gospel. To learn more about Resource Global, visit their website at resourceglobal.org. That's resourceglobal.org. Be sure to sign up for their free newsletter. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we're going to talk to a man whose ministry talks about doing something daring, dangerous for the sake of the gospel. We'll talk more about that next week. It's so helpful when you subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and leave reviews on iTunes. It's very helpful. I'd love feedback from you as well. See Lambert at missionstoday.com. Missions Today, a production of Resource Global.